0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, I'm going to start with a little overview here. Um, Last week we talked about love being aggressive. And one of the things I was reading in uh, um, Bob Yandian's commentary on the marriage analogy... He says, God's love for you is agape love. We've talked about God being the aggressor in this relationship, and that is exactly what agape love is. Agape love is an aggressive love. It is always abounding. Agape love, like grace, is always based on the nature of the giver. God loves you because it is his nature. God doesn't love you because you serve him, and God doesn't quit loving you because you fail him. He always loves you. So that is good. That is good. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks and praise this morning. We thank you for the blessing of being your children. We thank you, Father God, that we are here in your presence. We thank you, Father God, that you first loved us. You aggressively sought us, Father God. Throughout history, throughout history, you're always seeking, always, always there. And we thank you for that, Father God. In our day and time now, Father God, we have Jesus. He came to be our, our, our husband. He came to be our savior. He became, came to be our, our healing. He is all in all to us, Father God. He is our Lord. We give you praise, Father God, and we thank you. We thank you for this word that's coming forth today, Father God. We thank you for the blessing that is to us, Father God, that we would take it into our hearts, Father God, to serve you as we should and to love others as we should. We give you the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so I was looking up the word reverence and it says to regard or treat with deep respect. Some of the synonyms are revere, respect, or to admire. And One of the things we talked about a little bit last week is that men need a cheerleader. One of the things that women bring to the marriage is to cheer their men on, to encourage us, and in that has to do with some respect and admiration. How do you respect? How do you cheer somebody if you don't respect them? It's kind of hard to cheer for the other team. <laughs> you always want to cheer for your team, right? I think somebody was a cheerleader back there. <laughs> so, one of the things that I was looking at, I was looking First Peter three one through eight. And uh, this was kind of a a good thing because one of the things we're trying to to look at is we're trying to look at us as the body of Christ. We're looking at the marriage relationship between husband and wife. So it says in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 8, it says, In like manner you married women, be submissive to your own husbands, subordinate yourselves as being secondary to and dependent on them, and adapt yourselves to them. So that even if any do not obey the word of God... They may be won over not by discussion, but by the godly lives of their wives. Understand that women have quite a bit influence. You understand that we as the church on earth have quite a bit of influence with our Lord. When they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourselves together with your reverence for your husband... You are to feel for him all that reverence includes, to respect, defer to, revere him, to honor, esteem, appreciate, prize, and in the human sense to adore him. That is to admire, praise, be devoted to, deeply love, and enjoy your husband. Let not yours be that merely the external adorning with elaborate interweaving and knotting of the hair, the wearing of jewelry, or changes of clothes. Let it be that inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, which is not anxious or wrought up, but is very precious in the sight of God. For it was thus that the pious women of old, who hoped in God, were accustomed to beautify themselves and submissive to, to their husbands, adapting themselves to them as secondary and dependent upon them. It was thus that Sarah obeyed Abraham, following his guidance and acknowledging his headship by calling him Lord. And you are now... Her true daughters, if you do right, and let nothing terrify you, not giving away the hysterical fears or letting anxieties and nerve you. Now, <clears throat> there's a lot in there, and I was looking at that. You know, a lot of guys really like to read that and say, honey. But one of the things that's really interesting about this is that if we consider ourselves the bride of Christ, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to not just get dressed up for church on Sunday. We're not supposed to just look good. We're not supposed to be just put on a show. We are to honor our husband. Now, guys don't often understand this idea because we've been brought up to be the man of the house. But as the bride of Christ, as the church, our job is to show the world that Christ is is a loving husband and that he died for his bride the church and that he is ever ever aggressively seeking us and working for us and we need to be in that place of being submitted you know have you ever done this you know you just kind of well this this kind of a weird thing you know we have these christianese we have these catchphrases that we use You know, oh, praise the Lord, you know. And we get these these things out there just to kind of show how we are. That's kind of that adorning that we put on ourselves. Oh, praise the Lord, I'm a Christian. But the thing is, most people, if they watch your actions, if they watch what you do, they understand what you're saying. Yeah, you really are a Christian. Because words aren't enough. There has to be action into the words. That's why the thing about in here where it talks about being submissive to your husbands, how submissive are we to Christ? I had to look at this one day. How submissive am I to Christ? Am I ever seeking Him for His direction? Am I ever seeking Him for what is best for His church? Am I ever seeking that Holy Spirit to give me wisdom? Or am I just going along on my own little path? Now, after Brenna passed away, there was, there was a time there uh, where I did kind of go off on my own little path because, you know, of course, you, you, you have the, the sense of loss and you have all that that you're dealing with. And it, sometimes it felt like, like maybe the, Jesus wasn't really answering to me, but then I got to realize I wasn't really listening. I was dealing with my own pain. And I wasn't letting the one who could heal me heal me. I wasn't submitting to him. I was going to get through this. I mean, most most guys are brought up to grit your teeth and get through it, right? You know, if you're in the military, you're taught to just bear down and go do. If you're if you're brought up by a, a good strong father, he teaches you to do. He teaches you to do. I know. Uh, Thanksgiving one time we had our family together and uh, we went around and says, "Well, what are you thankful for?" And I was thinking about my mom and dad as they were talking and just. What am I thankful for? <laughs> the thing that came to me I was I was thankful that they taught me to work. <laughs> and you know I just it was, it was kind of a sad thing. I, I couldn't think of much else but he taught me to work. I learned from them to work, and so, as a guy, that's what I did. I work when I had the job uh, whatever job I've had, I, I stayed late, got early, put, skipped lunches when I was at the refinery. I grabbed every stinking bit of overtime I could because that's what you do, right? That's what you're trained to do. thing is that we as men are not often trained to be submissive. And that's something that is, you know, that's kind of hard to take because, no, I'm not to be submissive. I'm supposed to be the man of the house. I'm supposed to be that position that I take. But, no, we're supposed to be submissive. We're supposed to be submissive unto the Father. We're supposed to be submissive unto our husband, Jesus. And He talks to us by His Holy Spirit. And He gives us wisdom and understanding that we understand. If we take that and we apply it, we can honor Him. And that's what we're supposed to do. See, the body of Christ, we are supposed to honor the husband. The bride of Christ, is are supposed to honor the husband. The body of Christ, we're supposed to honor to the head. Everything relates back to headship and submission. Headship and submission. Now, one of the things in marriage that we find that as men, we're supposed to be the head of the house, and this, this is a good and honorable thing, and this is what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be the men of the house. We're supposed to lead. And that is how we show Christ. But what does that leading look like? What did Christ do? He died. How do we die to self? How do I serve my wife? You know? And if I'm going to serve my wife, I can't serve my wife by being, get my slippers. Let's have steak tonight. I can't, you know, I mean, that's not, that is not leading. That's ordering. And that is not what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to lead. So if we look at that, if I'm showing Christ in my marriage with my wife to the world, they need to see me leading in the way that Christ led. Can I wash her feet? Can I submit to her need? Can I take her to those things she wants to do? Can I meet those, things, those needs that she has? Is it her job to meet my needs? In a sense, but my job is to meet her needs because if i meet her needs mine are met that's the beauty of it if i submit to her then in her need she submits to my lead and we talked about that last week that mike brought up that if we that if christ submitted to our need by sacrificing himself giving his body for us then our job then is to satisfy to submit to his lead So Jesus shows us a very strong way. Now we get to talk to the guys. In the same way, you married men should live considerately with your wives, with an intelligent—I love this—intelligent recognition of the marriage relation. This is in verse seven of First uh, Peter three one, or First 3, three two. Sorry. <clears throat> honoring the woman as physically the weaker, but realizing that you are joint heirs of the grace, God's unmerited favor of life, in order that your prayers may not be hindered and cut off. Otherwise, you cannot pray effectively. Finally, all of you, men and women, husbands and wives, should be of one and the same mind, united in spirit, sympathizing with one another, loving each other, As brethren of one household, compassionate and courteous, tender-hearted and humble. How many of you read the Song of Solomon? Pretty racy. (laughs) But you know, there was something about that as I was reading the Song of Solomon and and, uh, just last night I was reading it again. And one of the things I found is that how often do we act like the shulamite woman how often do we sing praises to Jesus i found that very interesting because it was you know i can get in that time of prayer thank you jesus for all you've done thank you father for for your son i thank you lord that you've provided everything i need i thank you you know but how often am i just sat down and just jesus i just love you i just worship you and thank you so much. I give you glory. You know what that does for him? Well, think about what it does for us as men if our if our wives come to us and say, I, I just love you. I just thank you so much. I just I just appreciate all that you've done for us. What does that make a guy do? He gets a little puffed up in the chest and it's like, Yeah. Yeah, the pocketbook comes out, yeah. What do you want, baby? But that's, that's not, why do we work? We work for money, right? But, you know, I, I like what Joe McGee says. I don't work because I like it. I work for money. <laughs> but what's the money for? It's a tool. How can I bless my wife? What does she need? I mean, you know, like one Christmas, I thought she needed a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Well, on my in my defense, she had told me one time that she wanted tools, her kind of tools. So, being the good husband that I was, I got her tools—not <laughs> quite what she wanted to get. But there are these things that, that in the Song of Solomon, I was, how they how they talk to each other. You know, Jesus has a love language for us. I mean, he ministers to our hearts. How much he cares for us. How much he loves us. and Do we take that into our hearts and worship back to him in that way? Loving and caring and just giving all. Can you get foolish before God? You know? I mean, it, it calls us to be fools for Christ. We're supposed to be foolish in our love. Love is kind of foolish. <laughs> you know? It, it just is, you know? But I was looking at Solomon, uh, Song of Solomon 2 verse 4. And I thought this was good, because one of, the God, one of the names of God is his banner. Well, he says, he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love, for love waved as a protecting and comforting banner over my head when I was near him. So you'll see, I got some things highlighted in yellow, yellow here somewhere. Those aren't for my wife, those are for me. But God takes us and he covers us with love. And I'm, I don't know, most, most guys, at least I know in my life, I was, my dad never really showed me what it was like to tell his wife he loved her. He, um, as a matter of fact, I was just thinking the other day, in their 60 years of marriage, 60-some years of marriage, I don't know that I actually ever heard my dad say he loved her. But he showed his love in how he worked for her. He worked two jobs so she wouldn't have to. He made sure that we were provided for in everything he could do, every way he could provide for us. But it was one of those things that he he was just never a person to express that emotion like love. Of course, he was also a person that says, don't say something you don't want to say because you can never take it back. So you never say, you never call anybody a name, you never say something you don't want to say because it's out there. And for him, there was just no taking it back. So when he, I guess he thought, well, you know, if I say I love you, then... How does the old story go? A woman was complaining why his wife never said he loved her. And she said, look, I told you once, if it ever changed, I'll let you know. <laughs> it's an old joke, but it's, it's true. God will let us know if he, never, if he ever stops loving us. And you know what? He never will. He never will. He promises he will never, ever stop loving us. He loves us so much he sent his son. God so loved the world that he sent. In Ephesians 5... Um, Starting in verse 24, it says, As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. So this is where the wives show the, the relationship between Christ and the church. And then it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So this gets back to what the guys are supposed to do in showing Christ to the world. It says so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. Now there's something Luann and I did a while ago and we haven't done it for a while and I don't know why we just kind of stopped. But sometimes when we would be either getting ready to go to sleep or we'd be in bed or we'd uh, be sometime in the morning it just kind of spontaneous to be like did you know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? And she'd prop back well, Do you know that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son for you? And you would pop back with something. And we had these scriptures going back and forth. We were washing each other, washing each other with the word, encouraging each other with the word, who we were in Christ. And when I got that book in him, I started looking at all those things that I was in Christ. And we began to relate those things one to another. And I'm sorry we've gotten away from that. But we used to do that a lot. It was just something like it was almost a daily, every other day occurrence. It just we would bring this up of who we were to each other in Christ. Washing each other with the word. He says that he might present the church to himself as a glorious splendor, splendor without spot or wrinkle. Or any such things that she might be holy and faultless. He says, even so husbands should love their wives as being incensed their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. The scripture is always kind of interesting when it goes back in the beginning. And Adam, it caused a deep sleep to go over Adam. And then he took out of Adam that which became Eve and said that he crafted her. said he built man, but he crafted her. Actually, he formed man. He built the woman. So we've got to get that right. The, he did that so that these two were always needed to be together. There's a reason for us to be together. Have you ever thought how a man thinks? Very linear. We've got, I, I like the best thing i heard about it. it. says it's like there's this box with all these, these sections in it. And we'll take this section out, and that's what we're going to think about. And we'll look at that, and then we'll work on that, and we'll put that down, and we'll pick this up. Woman's mind doesn't work that way. A woman's mind is always... You know one of the great things about being a guy? We've got a nothing box. And it's awesome. (laughs) It is awesome. We can go there. I know Luann says, what are you thinking about? I says, nothing. How can you be thinking about nothing? (laughs) Just there. (laughs) It's a beautiful place to go. (laughs) But part of the thing that we... We bring together then, I've got this linear, this box thing. I'm going to do this task. And she's thinking about all these things that are out here. So the other day, this just happened last night, as a matter of fact, I got my dad's watch, and it needs a new battery. So I was trying to figure out how to get this watch off. I got this watch repair kit, and I'm trying to figure, I'm prying on that thing. And She says, well, why don't we look up a YouTube video? Well... Because I'm supposed to be able to do this myself. (laughs) So we look up a YouTube video. We find out that that watch back doesn't doesn't need to be pried off. It needs to be unscrewed. So I could have been there all day. (laughs) But her mind is thinking of different things. I've got this task to get this watch off, and I'm going to pry it off. It's going to come off one way or another. If I have to take a hammer to it, it's going to come off. But that's just, I'm right there. I'm right there. And she's thinking about these other things. So she brings that into the marriage while I bring in the, the task. And that's how I do. I work the task. She brings up the, well, you know, we've got this to do, and we've got that to do, and we've got the other thing to do. You know, one of the things she really loves to do, she likes lists. I hate lists. Because they never end. Have you ever noticed that? The wife puts out that list. She says, these are five things I'd like to have done. Okay, well, okay, i got my task. I'll do that, and I'll do that, and I'll do that. And then you come back, and there's five more things on the list. How did this happen? Well, while I was doing this, I was thinking about that, and I thought we could do this, and so this showed up. So why don't we do those other five things? See, it never ends. It It just never ends. And so there becomes a little frustration in there. But if I so love my wife, I have to put that down and say, okay, (laughs) we'll get her done. We will get it done. It says, even so, husbands should love their wives as being, in a sense, their very own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Do you know if you ever thought how that works if you get in that? I mean, I know none of you have ever been in that place where you've been at odds with your wife. Or your husband. Never happened. It has happened to us. (laughs) And you know, it's that conflict, right? That conflict of ideas or that conflict of something that happened. And it gets that, but if I love my own flesh, why would I want to argue with my own flesh? Why would I want to call my own flesh, you know, I never never called her names, but I mean, why would I want to put it at in that place where I'm beating her down? Why would I want to beat my flesh down? I don't. I want her to live a good life. So to love her as I love myself, I want her built up. We're supposed to build our wives up. Christ builds us up. For no man ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and carefully protects and cherishes it as Christ does the church. So do we nourish our wives, men? You think about that. Do you nourish your wife? How do you nourish your wife? Do you praise her? Do you thank her? Are your arms open to her? You know, a lot of the wives would say, Well, you could do better than this. <laughs> we sometimes tell Jesus, You could do better than this. But Jesus says, I gave it all. The thing with us is we don't give it all. You ever notice that as guys? We hold things back. Because if you give everything, you're setting yourself up for somebody coming along and slapping you with it, somebody coming along and saying, That's not enough. That's not good enough. Jesus didn't look at it that way. He gave it all. Everything he had. Because we are members and parts of his body. <clears throat> this, this was kind of an interesting. There's many. There's, when you look back through scripture. You've, you've got. <clears throat> God looking at the Jews as a bride. He's looking at them as children. He's looking at them as part of his body. Christ comes, we look at Him as Christ, the Son. We look at Him as being the body, and we look at Him as being the husband. We are the body, we are the bride. We are members and parts of His body. All of us are members and parts of His body. One of the things I found that was interesting is that, is that men and women are in the Spirit are totally equal before God. Nobody stands before the other. I know that one of the religions of the world says that um, because we, we knew the gal, she says she was so afraid of divorcing her husband or or, or exerting herself, this because that she he might call, might call her up from the grave. You know, and that's that's a religion, and it's it's uh, the men are put in that place that they they have that authority to call their wives out of the grave. And so it tries to keep that really hard submission. But we're members and parts. Every one of us. It says, for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That's in verse 31. I always thought it was interesting because he took out of Adam what it took to make Eve and then he brought back together. So in marriage, we're taking Adam and Eve and we're bringing that back together. What I talked about earlier, the way we think, the way we feel. Can you imagine if we were both like a guy trying to raise kids? Can you imagine what that would look like? I mean, how do I discipline? I'm kind of like, boom. Boom. I'm right there right now. Bang, I'm hot. There's discipline. If we were both that way, how would the kids be raised? They would always be in fear. What does the wife bring? The mother. Nurturing. She brings in that buffer like Luann has had to do. Rick, calm down. <laughs> Take a walk. <laughs> Deep, Breathe deeply. <laughs> But she does. She brings that to the marriage. That it's, it's that box thing. I moved from here to here. Boom. I'm going to take care of this. And if there isn't that outside force coming in saying, calm down, something's going to happen. And you say, well, that's only natural. Well, it is in a sense. But we look at the example when we look at Abraham and, and uh, the three visitors, right, going to Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to go down and take a look. And if it doesn't look good, it's going to be destroyed. But, Lord, if you find 45, okay, for 45, I'll spare them. You know, I really hate to bother you, but how about for 40? And what does he do? He works it down and down and down. And the Lord is always sitting there, yeah, yeah, come on, bring it, bring it. Would you do it for five? Five. He says, yeah, I'll do it for five. I'll save them. I will save the city for five. And he only found four. We go back and we see God with Moses. They're stiff-necked. My wrath is strong against them. I'll tell you what, Moses. I will go down and destroy them, and I will make of you a great nation. Hot. Hot. Oh, but Lord, what are they going to say? What are they going to say when they found out you killed the, chi- the children you brought out of Egypt? That you just brought them out here to slay them? Okay, Moses, you spoke well. They shall live. Won't be easy, <laughs> but they shall live. Because the woman, and in this sense, God looked at Israel. As his bride, the woman spoke to the man with comfort and entreaty and patience and love. And God responded to that and pulled back his wrath as much as he could. We see in Sodom and Gomorrah, he kept his word. If there had been five people there, Sodom and Gomorrah had been saved. There was only four. for the children of Israel, he pulled back and they went on into the promised land. You ever notice that <clears throat> Israel so God's leading them and he tells them when they go into the promised land he says, look, you go in there and you, you consume the land. You take it because I gave it to you. Do not make league with any of the people in there. and they went in there and they conquered and they conquered and they conquered and then the Gadites came up and they said oh we're just a weak weak people and we know that you guys are mighty and you know we'll just we'll just be your servants and come on let's go have a feast and then what happened the bride of God joined to a harlot Became as a harlot, I should say. He began chasing after. So when they got got relations with the Gadites, what happened? The Gadites brought their gods. And Israel, I remember Israel at one time on the other side of the Jordan looked out and they said, build us a calf. Build us something to worship. Have you ever noticed that sometimes that's what we want to see something to worship? Have you ever noticed football teams? Some, you know, we all wear the. Well, I don't, but... <laughs> A lot of people wear the jerseys, right? Some people wear jerseys for the Broncos. But, <laughs> but, I mean, they wear jerseys and they wear football players' names and did you see or they'll watch basketball and they'll think of all these players and, and they almost worship them. Sunday morning, we should be in church. There's a football game today. I mean, I can be in church anytime. I mean, I can worship God anytime. But I'm going to watch the football game today. And then Monday shows up and I got to go to work. Yeah, I can worship God anytime. Cuz I need that money. Cuz I got to buy that thing. What do you mean tithe? You got to be kidding me. You know how long I worked for this money and you want me to just give it to the church without getting anything back? We get to these places where we we want to be we want this and we want God. But we push God to the side so we can have this. And we become like Israel was in that time when they went to the Gadites. And we put other things on our altar. It says, a man shall leave his mother and father, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one, flef, one flesh. We're supposed to be together. There's a reason for that. To protect one another. You know, it, it says in there about how a woman, in uh, in, uh, we're reading Peter, how a woman can lead her husband to the Lord just by just by being herself as a Christian wife. He says, just not by speaking, just by living, just by living. And that brings us to ourselves that we say, well, I need to repent. He says, this mystery is very great, but I speak concerning the racial of Christ in the church in verse 32. He says, however, let each man of you without exception love his wife as being in a sense his very own self. And let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, Regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, loves and admires him exceedingly. One of the things that I found interesting is that men have to be taught to love, women have to, taught, have to be taught to respect. Because there's that di- difference of nurturing, loving, and earning respect. So they nurture and they love, guys earn respect. How do I earn respect? Okay, I do a good job. I, I provide for my family. Um, I'm here at church every Sunday. You respect me for that, <laughs> don't? But no, we do things for respect, and people respect us for the things that we do. But love doesn't have so much to do with what you do. Love is, I mean, when it says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, He wasn't looking for what they did. He just gave. We as men have to learn to give that kind of love. But in that, how do we, as, as the bride of Christ, how do we, I have to look at this in my own life how do I notice him? How do I regard him? How do I honor him? How do I prefer him? How do I venerate him? How do I esteem him? How do I defer to him? Rick, I need you to do... Well, God, you know, that'll kind of get in my way of my plans today. Yeah, but Rick, I really need you to do this. Tell you what, I'll do it after. No, that's not what I said. I need this done now. Okay, Lord. I mean, sometimes it's been like that. Okay, Lord. But we're supposed to be, yes, Lord. I'll defer to you. And when I defer to you, I will praise you because I know you're taking me to a place of, that is good for me. It's a right place. It's a good place. And how do I admire him? I got to thinking that, you know, within my marriage relationships, one of the things that I could admire him is how I love my wife. How do I care for her? So that gets back to what I was saying earlier about how we used to say these scriptures over each other. In Ephesians 5, 19 through 21, I thought this was interesting. It says, Speaking to one another, with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all the things God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting one to another in the fear of God. A life of power always gives thanksgiving and praise to the givers of it all, God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So as a husband... And as a wife, we should be continually speaking psalms to one another. We should be continually speaking the word one to another. How can I build her up if I'm just, if I'm not talking to her? How can I encourage her if I'm not loving her deeply? How can I encourage her if I'm not taking these times to sing and make music for my heart? To her. See, that tells me what's in my heart. I can always tell what's in your heart just by your conversation. It's like I was telling you the other day when we Luann and I sometimes would come to church holding hands, but you wouldn't have just by that, you would have thought we had just a beautiful day, but you didn't see the fight we had before we got there. Mm -hmm. And after we got out of church, she sat on that car site. I sat over there and we drove home. There's no healing in that. There has to be that place where we have to come to that place, say I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I need to sing a song, a spiritual song unto her. I need to sing a song of praise because she is worthy of praise. Your wife is worthy of praise. She's not worthy of anything else but praise and glory and honor. That's what we're supposed to do. That Christ honored us in his death, burial, and resurrection. God so loved. It says in 5 verse 13, it says, Ephesians 5 verse 13, that when anything is exposed and removed by the light, reproved by the light, it is made visible and clear, and everything is visible and clear, there is light. And the word I wrote in there is transparent. Transparency is so important in a relationship. How do you have a relationship where you're hiding something? I mean, how do you have a relationship when you, when you do that? Do you know we as humans, because we don't... Well, if they knew that, they wouldn't love me. Or if they knew that, they wouldn't respect me. Or if they knew that, but then this is, there's always this thing. It's hidden away. There's no transparency. We need to be transparent. I need to be transparent. I found out through trial and error that it's better to be transparent with my wife when I'm upset than try than try to have her figure out why I'm upset. What's the matter? Nothing. How you doing? Fine. Of course, that's one of the worst words you ever want to hear out of your wife's life. Fine. <laughs> but we do. I'm fine. I'm good. No, there's something that bothering me. There's something that she can come alongside and help me with as my wife. But if I don't tell her, so this gets back to how do I talk to Jesus? Hey, Rick, what's going on? I'm fine. Sure you are. No, I'm good. I don't want to talk about it. And you know, when you do that, you push Jesus away. If I tell her, I'm fine, I'm good, just leave me alone, I push her away. Jesus never pushes us away. I want to be transparent. I want to submit to her need. I want her to be able to submit to my lead. I can't do that if we're not transparent. I can't do that if I'm not doing the word of God towards her. I can't do that if I'm not submitting unto my to the lordship of Jesus Christ, how can I expect her to submit to me? A lot of this falls on me because I have to be in that relationship with Christ so that I can be the head of my family and I can lead properly according to the scriptures. I need to be that person. I need to be that person that she respects and reverences, that she notices and regards, that she honors and prefers and venerates and esteems, and that she's able to defer to me and to praise me and to love me and to admire me. I need those things. You know, A lot of guys don't want to admit it, but we do. And we need that as much as christ needs that he needs us to respect him and honor him and love him and venerate him and defer to him because he's the head of our body he's the head of our as the bride he's the, he's our bridegroom he's the lover of our souls he is the shulamite he is the person he is solomon he is the one who is seeking the shulamite woman and that love in the song of solomon all that that's going on there. You see all those praises in that flowery language. It's all about love. It's all about love. They're seeking, loving, caring. We want to be that way. We want to be what God has called us to be. We want us to be the body of Christ here on earth. We also want to be the bride. In our marriages, we need to show Christ and the church. In our marriages, people need to see that. They need to see that because that's part of our witness as husband and wife. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.